0: I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to the Resource Room Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about yet another way that we could stop that special education teacher stress. And I think this is a big topic. I think this is something I hear about all the time, especially in special ed. And that is grades. And I kinda wanna divide this in half. The first is just, I'm gonna stand on my soapbox and I'm gonna tell you what I think about grades. And you can agree or disagree, it's okay. Won't hurt my feelings. And then the second part is, how can we make it easier? Because whether you love grades, hate grades, you're so supportive of this process, fine. But we still need to find ways to make it easier. But first, here's my soapbox moment. Grades are stupid. Grades are awful. I don't care if you're gen ed, special ed, it doesn't matter, they suck. They're terrible. What do they actually tell you? If I am a straight A student, that does not mean that I am any smarter than the kid who has straight C's and doesn't care. Grades are silly. Now remember, you don't have to agree with me. It doesn't hurt my feelings, but here's why I say grades are silly. Okay, here's my evidence. Okay, everybody grades differently. Okay, you'll have some teachers who are like me and they have kind of like designed their whole classroom around hard work. If you work hard, if you try, if you ask questions, if you complete things, you will get good grades. For example, when I taught fifth grade, I had... Um, lots of things going on, but what I'm going to focus on is these things that I called bubble pages. With my bubble pages, it was basically a list of activities, a list of things that the kids had to do over the course of the week. They could choose whatever order they wanted to. There were differentiated lists, so my lower kids were doing more of the math facts, more computation, things like that, and less of the word problems, the explaining, you know, math journaly type of things. And then my higher kids were doing more of that deeper level thinking and less of the time spent on math, facts, computation, that kind of thing. The kids in the middle had a good balance of both. With that, all of those lists had 15 things. So as long as you did, or really their score was, however many things they completed of the 15 would be their score. So if they did all 15 things, they got 15 points. If they did 10 of the 15 things, 10 points. Zero of the 15 things, then they had zero points for that. I didn't care if their answers were right or wrong. I didn't care if their journal prompts were the most profound thing I've ever read or if it was very surface level. That's okay, all of those things were acceptable, but I gave them the points because they tried. They were welcome to ask myself if we had push-in support from our special ed teacher or our Title I at that time. All of those things were welcome. Seek help, just get it done. Now, I did look through that and if you only halfway did something, then you only got half the points. So um, I had some stations, uh, they were um, like I Can Games, I think is what they were called. And basically it was a jar and there were different slips of paper and they would choose whatever problems they wanted. You had to do five of those. If you only did two, you didn't get full credit. I don't care if those two were right or wrong. I was trying to instill that hard work does pay off. But at the same time, when somebody does one or two things and your grade is an F, I'm sorry, you literally could have put zeros on that paper and I probably would have given you some credit for it. You could have restated and tried to answer that question from the math prompt and I would have given you credit for it. But you've got to work. I did have some students where 15 things was way too much and we changed that. They had their own bubble page that was different than others. And that's okay because really everyone's was. I had created a system in which I felt I was really leveling the playing field for everybody. I don't care if you are the smartest, smartest kid in fifth grade or one of the lowest, lowest kids in fifth grade. You had a fair shot at getting an A. But if you don't do anything... If working is hard for you, maybe being independent is hard for you, then your shots were a little lower and we were gonna work on those skills. I created a system where everybody could get an A. Everybody did not get an A, I'll say that, but the opportunity was there. Or let's say you bomb a math test. If you do more than 15 things, you also had the opportunity for bonus bonus points every single week. So with all of that being said, I would consider myself an easy grader. Do the work, get the points. However, there are also teachers who offer minimal help or support, and the grade is the grade, and that's what's going in the grade book. And half the class has a C or below, maybe more than half, and they don't care because guess what? You don't know how to subtract, you don't know how to do long division. You don't know how to read word problems and figure out what you're doing. You don't know how to do that. Therefore, you have an F. Because guess what? When I'm talking about fourth grade standards or fifth grade standards or first grade standards, you can only do 20% of them and that's what your grade is. Or you can only do a small fraction of this so your grade is not good. You can't do 80% of first grade standards. You can't do 90% of first grade standards. So grading is subjective. And so for me, yeah, I want my kids to get good grades, but I don't really care. It's not going to be the end of the world if they don't get those grades. So those are my thoughts. I work at a school with a very high ELL population, which I know I've talked about before. And with that, I feel like our teachers bend over backwards to make sure our kids have the supports and the scaffolds that they need to be successful. So maybe they get all really good grades, A's and B's, because things are read out loud to them, or they're able to use this, or manipulate that, or whatever. They have everything that they need. But if that same child, who's maybe doing really good there, moves to a school without that understanding, that EL support, then maybe their grades aren't as good or maybe the next year they get a really hard teacher that doesn't cut them any slack at all. Grades are subjective. So yes, they're important and they are a fact of life. We gotta deal with it. However, I think us as special education teachers can help educate teachers sometimes on ways that we could help that And at the same time, have good conversations with our kids about, look, dude, do the bubbles, get the stuff done, and you'll have an A. Put something on the paper, and she will give you credit for it. We can also have conversations to help our kids be more responsible. Or maybe it's a teacher who can sometimes be kind of a jerk about letting them have the extra time. Teach those kids to advocate for themselves teach them that they are allowed to have a multiplication chart and that teacher doesn't get to decide those are the things that we can teach because grades are part of life and i don't see them going away anytime soon now if grades are a part of life which we know and it's something that we're going to have to do that's part of being a teacher how can we make it easier Because I don't know about you, when I played school as a kid, I loved to grade papers. Why isn't it as fun now that I'm 35? Like when I was 5 or 10, it was so much fun to grade papers. Not so much now. And partly because we have 900 other things that we need to be doing. So we need it to be as quick and easy as possible. I'm also going to start by giving you some advice that I literally gave just last week to two different teachers. One is a new teacher, brand new teacher, and he was saying how stressed out he was because he's like, I don't know how to do all of this. I'm working two jobs. How am I going to get all of the grading done? Good question. You're not. You are not going to get all of that done. Some stuff might need to find its way to the recycle bin some stuff might ride home in your teacher bag and it gets thrown away at home so that none of those kids notice that their papers are in the recycle bin that's okay I tell my students very often and it's often true I'm gonna take a look at this and see what we need to talk about next time I'm gonna take a look at this and see what do we need to talk about tomorrow That doesn't mean it's going in the grade book. That doesn't mean that I'm gonna grade all 10 questions and see how many did they get right so that I can put a five out of 10 and an eight out of 10 and a four out of 10 and a 10 out of 10 in the grade book. I'm gonna look at it and see like, holy cow, we're not even carrying a one. Or maybe it's we carried the one, but we didn't add it to our total from the tens column or our total from the hundreds column. Yeah, we carried it, but we're not understanding then how that works. We need to go back and reteach that or repractice that. That doesn't have to go in the grade book, but you still got very valuable information about what your students need from you tomorrow or the next day or the next session or whatever it is with you. Not everything has to go in the grade book. The other day, true story, we were working on finding the main idea and not only just choosing it from like, ABC because my kids are pretty good at that but we were working on writing it in a sentence like the main idea is and then use some words from the text to tell me what the main idea is what was the whole thing about the other day they wrote them on post-it notes which they loved and after they're gone at the end of the day I literally stood next to the trash can read them threw threw it in the trash read the next one threw it in the trash read the next one threw it in the trash that to me gave me very valuable feedback. I knew that these kids, the group that I was focusing on at that time, they were able to use a few of the words, like one of the strategies that we use, we jot down words that were used over and over and over in the story. And we use those words to then find the main, to write the main idea. And so sometimes I'll write a silly one and I'll use like one word, you know, like, This was about camouflage or uh, monkeys use camouflage. Well, great. But we were reading about lizards, that kind of thing. So I'll give them some silly answers. And then really they're, they're looking at that and they're like, no, no, we got to use like lizards, reptiles, camouflage, survival. We've got to use a lot of those words. So on that particular day when I was standing by the trash can, I'm like, okay, yeah, we read about camouflage, but like, what about it? Why did these animals use it? What was going on? So as I'm flipping through, I know that tomorrow when we work on main idea and we're doing the exact same thing, I have to stress to them that they were giving me Mrs. Wilp silly sentences, not the main idea. Yeah, you use the word camouflage, But we weren't talking about the animal that you used. Or we weren't talking about, yeah, they use camouflage. We were talking about they use it for survival. They use it to be able to hide from their prey. Those kinds, or hide from their predators. That kind of thing. So to me, I knew everything I needed from looking at those. And I never gave a grade it went right in the trash. And that's okay. Because the next day I knew what to talk about. Isn't that the point of an assessment? So right now I'm gonna give you permission that you don't have to grade everything. It's okay to give kids a three by five card or a post-it note, some paper from the recycle bin, whatever, do something digital and have them write a sentence or two, have them solve a problem or two, and make it easier on yourself. Make it something that you could literally stand at the trash can and be like, yep, yep, yep. Oh, they're doing that well, they're doing that well. Oh gosh, we don't even have a period at the end of the sentence. Those are the things you can look at without ever assigning a letter grade. Another way that I make grading a little bit easier, and I almost didn't share this because I thought it sounded silly, but here it is, okay? I'm just gonna share. To be honest, I feel like the longer this podcast goes on, the more gooberish I get, and I'm, I'm just saying things. So I hope you enjoy that. Maybe you're like, Amanda, you are getting weirder every week. You're not wrong, here we are. Okay, so here's something, again, I thought maybe not sharing this, but here it is. I try to make all of the assessments that I give to my kids only one page, it might be a front and back page, but only one page because, follow me here, okay? Because I remember back in the day, my teachers would copy, you know, like two or three pages, double-sided, and when they would grade, they would answer two or, or grade two or three questions, and then they would have to flip it, put it in a stack, grade that page one, flip it, grade the next paper, grade the next paper, and you're like flipping, and you like manhandle those papers 20 times as you're grading. I mean, probably more than that. Honestly, if it's a four pager, you're literally handling one paper four different times. So what I try to do using our copier, like with our reading test, for example, they are four pages, two for vocabulary, two for comprehension. We use wonders if you're if you also use this. So with that, I copy using the copier settings. It's not really any more work for me. I go there and you can tell it to like combine images and you can tell them do it two to a page, four to a page, whatever. And then you can still do front and back. So from one-sided to two-sided. So I'll take those four pages and do my little settings there And then it comes out as a two-sided document where vocabulary, the two pages for vocabulary are on one side and on the back side are the two pages for comprehension. I hope you can visualize this in your mind, okay? With that then, I only have one page. So I've saved paper, which yay me, but I've also saved time when it's time to sit down and grade. Because what that looks like then for me is I have one side where there are eight questions. So when it's time to grade, boom, 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 go through that one side. There's no flipping, there's no turning, there's no here's the staple, I've gotta you know fold it over, no. Then I turn it over, you know, turn my stack over, I grade the other side, which has five questions. Again, boom, 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 boom. I grade them, it's done. It's very, very quick. Because I'm not grading two or three questions on this side, two or three questions on this side, you know, like doing all of that turning of the papers to grade a couple of questions. If that's the way you like it, or if your kids need more space or whatever, that's okay. But for me, I feel like it speeds me up. And, you know, I've got to be saving like at least one or two trees per school year by reducing the amount of paper that I'm using to make copies for those weekly reading tests. As far as ready math goes, that's what we use for our math series. Those, usually the the standard test is just two-sided. So that's not really anything where I need to be in paper-saving mode But if it were, if you use something else, maybe see, can you get those math tests down to one page? Speaking of math, let's think about how can we make some of our math assessments a little quicker and easier to grade. For me, I like to have one of kind of two or three options here. Again, we use ready math. And so with that, they do a lot of like true and false. Those are easy to grade. I can be like, true, true, false, true, false. Okay, you got all your points. They also have a lot of multiple choice, which I like. There are some cases where maybe they're wanting an open-ended response. Maybe I could give them some choices so that for me when it's time to grade, all I'm looking at is, okay, I turn that, which writing is hard or more time-consuming, I turn that into a multiple choice. Maybe I make it fill in the blank so that yes, they're still writing, but it's not as in depth. And again, when I'm grading, I can be like, yes, they got numerator, denominator. Okay. All those things are in the right spot. They wrote a three here. Perfect. We're good. It's easier to grade. It's easier to scan. Now, maybe I have some like high school trauma that I'm working through here, but I used to have a teacher who would literally give you a point, for every little step of your work which was great if you were really good at math and you knew you were going to get all those points and that kind of thing but I cannot imagine actually grading that and giving you points but he used to really give check 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 on each and every step which is fine if that's how you like to spend your time but for me I want to see that you got the answer 23 and move on with my life now you choose what do you think is important maybe you do want to look at each of those lines and maybe you do want to see how the students did so that you can be like wow they're really good at step one but we really need to talk about step two there's nothing wrong with that but if you had 10 problems and you're grading all these lines that's going to be a lot what if you picked instead two problems and you graded those very heavily with point 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 for every little thing that you did so that again it could be a little faster a little easier for me i would just be like yeah they got 23 point if i really am trying to give them points maybe give them a point for writing out the problem or carrying a one or whatever you know you use your best judgment i'm not saying be lazy or be neglectful But there are some things that I think we as teachers are making our lives harder. Not always, but sometimes. So think of, are there some ways that you could make grading a little quicker, a little faster? Do you really have to grade all 10 problems and look at every single step? You can, but do you need to? And last but not least, are there things that the students could grade themselves? I do not really love this one. I do not do this a lot. And I really only have one example where I do this with my students. So for a long time, I had, well, I still do, but I had these timed math fact books or these timed math fact tests at the back of my intervention books that we use. And so every day after the group, I would say, okay, put your books in the stack. And they were like opened up to that math fact test. And so then for some of my kids early on in the year, it really wasn't a big deal because maybe they only did a handful of problems. Maybe their goal was like five or seven problems in one minute. I could check them kind of at a glance. It was fine. But as the year progressed, I was like, holy cow, you did, you know, 30 of them. That takes more time for me to grade. Now, not that I'm against taking time for my students. I don't want it to sound like that. However, why can't they grade some of those? Why can't they count some of those? Why can't I share some of those answers so that then later after school, I'm not looking at everyone's? Again, not because I'm unwilling But I think we have to realize that we have, again, 900 things that we have to do, is really checking every single math problem on a time math fact test, the best use of your time, when you could probably like share those answers relatively quickly, and they could count up how many they have correct. Obviously, this is a routine you have to build. This is something that you'll work on. It's not gonna just overnight make things easier. However, I do think that it's something that you could consider to make things easier. Or maybe you still have your students stack up those books, but maybe that's something that a student in an older grade, that's their job, that's something that they do for you every day, and it would make them feel responsible, those kinds of things. Find ways to make things easier. I don't really like to use that last one a lot because I don't love for one child to see another child's mistakes, but maybe that's an option if the books are open or something and they're never even going to see their first name you decide what makes sense but i give you permission right now to be mindful of all the things that are driving you crazy with grades and are adding that stress how much of it is actually necessary how much is like that post-it note that i'm throwing in the trash that like i need the feedback i need to know what they're doing well with and what they need to work on obviously that's why assessments come to be that's why we need them but can i make it easier can it be one post-it note that i'm going to throw in the trash and it's never going to go in the grade book how can you make it easier maybe you're overthinking something i encourage you to share with some of the other resource room teachers that are in the resource room facebook group some of the things that maybe you do to make grading a little bit easier, to save yourself a little bit of time. Because these are things I thought of just kind of as I was thinking about, okay, grading, I hate grades, what are we gonna do? It's a necessary evil, but what do I do to maybe make things a little bit easier? But I guarantee that others out there have things. So share that in the resource room Facebook group, share that with other teachers. Because grades shouldn't be something that stresses us out. It shouldn't be something that is one more thing that we just have to do. It is part of our job. It happens. However, how can we make it easier? Share that with others. Now, next week we're going to be talking about a topic that, oh gosh, guys, I'm going to have to get sassy again, I think. But I think I do have a really good solution that I want to share. I'm kind of excited about it, but... I'm going to get sassy as well. But here we go. Next week, we will be talking about centers in the resource room. So I can't wait to talk to you. And I can't wait to see some of the ways that you guys, the little hacks, the little things that you do to save time grading. I'll see you next week. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the resource room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.